Uh, so we're in part four of Minecraft, and what we've been talking about is developing a mind of gratitude and the idea that the highest form of thanksgiving is when we give ourselves wholeheartedly to God. I have a quote for you by uh, Francis, Fran- Francis Fragapan. He says, The very quality of our life, whether we love it or hate it, is based on how thankful we are toward God. Our attitude determines whether life to us is a place of blessing or wretchedness. So the very quality of your life is is indicative of, of how thankful you are towards God. It's not just being a thankful person, but thankful to God. Let me give you an example. It's like if your kids were thankful, but they never actually told you thank you for all that you do for them. You know, as a parent, how would that make you feel if your kids never say thank you? Uh, Now, God is, you know, not insecure like we are, (laughs) insecure. Uh, But as a parent, you know, it... There's something to be said. I mean, uh, last night we went to uh, we went to Ollie's and we got we got a uh, a Snoopy train to go around around the around the tree. Got it for like sixty dollars off, man. Go to Ollie's, man. There. I so I, I promised they didn't pay me to say that, but uh, so we so we set that that train up and and uh, just seeing the the smile on on on, on Graydon's face because he was you know he's the oldest one so he was the only one that was still up and just seeing him you know uh, move that train backward and forward and, and doing all the all the train sounds and then um, you know when when I when we when I when he went to bed he just he just gave me a big old hug and and um, just just a grateful uh, for 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 something small like that and and of course he was up again at like six this morning playing with the train and uh, but. But it's, but it's there's something to be said about when we are not just thankful to God, but we, we verbally say thank you, and we live a life, a, a grateful life to God as well. So let me just give you a little review of what we've talked about. This is part four, so we've had, we shared a lot of good information um, uh, that, that, uh, that we talked about. But we talked about how in Ephesians 5.20, it says... And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything. One of the foundations of the life for a believer must be that God is working all things for our good. And it's trusting and believing that God has my best interest even if my circumstances don't seem to be the best that God still has my best interest no matter what's happening in my life. To know that nothing happens without God knowing about it. And nothing happens without God going through it with you. That's an awesome thing to think about, how we have a God that not only knows, but he goes through it with you. And some of you need to be reminded of that right now. You're going through a season right now. It's a valley. 
And, and God just doesn't know about it, but he is walking. If you, are, if you are his child, if you are a believer, he is walking with you hand in hand through that. And to also remember that God is not limited. He sees the entire picture. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. And he knows where you're going. And he doesn't, like, freak out, you know, like we do. I just felt like Kramer on Seinfeld right there. Freaking out. Some of you don't even know what Seinfeld is. And I just, I just pray for you because you miss that in your, in your generation. Uh, today, I want to focus on not being an entitled person, but a grateful person. We can be a grateful person or a complainer, but we can't be both. You can't be a complainer, and you can't be grateful at the same time. It's either one or the other. And a grateful person focuses on God, and a complainer focuses on themselves. A grateful person focuses on God, and a complainer focuses on themselves. Paul Paul Tripp uh, gives this paraphrase. Well, he he actually uh, wrote an article, but I paraphrased it, and it's so good. I might have to read it twice because it's so good. We'll see. He says, if we think we're a good person, we assume we are a deserving and entitled person. We expect people and situations to focus on us and that the universe was created to serve me. Inevitably, people will fail to cater to you. Since you don't get what you thought you deserve, it gives you a reason to complain. The Bible tells us, however, that everything in the universe was designed by and for the glory of God. It's not about the world celebrating you, but the one who created it. You or I are not the center of this narrative we live in. When we realize just how wicked and sinful we truly are apart from Christ, and if it wasn't for Jesus, we would deserve God's wrath. It should cause us to change how we live and what we live for. Because of God's outrageous, outrageous grace, he has extended mercy, love, kindness, and forgiveness to us. Rather than entitlements and disappointment when I don't get my way, there is now feelings of humility and thankfulness. Instead of trying to manipulate people and situations, we now approach life with a servant's heart. That we become so overwhelmed with gratitude at the sacrifice of Jesus and how he rescued us that our lives literally become a living sacrifice. When you have been given so much You can't help but to be a giving person. That's excellent, man. That's awesome. If you are the center of your life, I'm going to go a little Dr. Phil on you for a second and say, how is that working for you? Self-centered people are miserable and bitter people, especially when they don't get what they want and when people don't meet their unfair demands. Don't be that guy. 
Don't be that girl. Those are some lonely, lonely people. And if you are one of them, I'm sure it's a lonely life right now. But it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to stay there. Maybe you're not that person anymore because God captured your heart years ago. But maybe you know someone that is that way. And when you think about people that way, you Southerners have a saying here, when you think about people that are like that, you say, bless their heart, right? Which is just really a polite way of telling someone they're an idiot. <laughs> I figured you guys out. You know, us, us Yankees, we'll, we don't mind telling someone they're an idiot to their face, all right? But you Southerners do it in a roundabout way with a smile that makes the person feel good that they're an idiot. I don't know. I don't know. Seriously, though, when you think about how you were before Christ and how God transformed your heart, you respond differently to people, even difficult people. You know there is spiritual growth inside of you when you don't have bitterness towards self-centered people who are manipulative and complain, but you feel empathy in compassion towards them and want them to encounter a real relationship with Jesus just like you have. You know, many of us were with family this week. And, uh, you know, n none of us picked our family. You were, you were given your family. And, um, but God wants you to be a light to your family. And uh, maybe some of you saw family, you know, just for a few hours on Thursday, and that was enough. Um, but, you know, there's, we all have people in our family that are, that are, that are far from the Lord, that, that just live self-centered lives, that, are, that, that complain, that are manipulative. But do you feel empathy for them? Do you, do you want them to experience what you yourself have experienced with Jesus Christ. First John 2, 15 through 16, this is NIV. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. <clears throat> if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So there's three things that the writer is pointing out here. Lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh includes everything that appeals to your appetites and involves excessive, excessive desires for food, for sex, for anything else that satisfies your physical needs. <clears throat> now, some of you follow me on Facebook and uh, saw that uh, last night, uh, for the first time, that we all went to a sit-down restaurant as a family of six. My youngest is eight months old, so that's how long. You know, we, uh, we frequent, you know, Chick-fil-A and, you know, cookout, 
but a sit-down restaurant you just don't do without, you know, planning, you know. And so we did that, and uh, everything went really well. Uh, the kids were great. Um, and then, you know, Gray and Cash, you know, started, you know, karate chopping each other and, uh, towards, like, the last two minutes. But other than that, they did an awesome job. But I was, I was looking at the menu, and um, now if you've been to East Coast Wings, they, I mean, they used to have an encyclopedia for a menu. It was, it was unbelievable. They've, they kind of simplified it. But I saw one of the things <clears throat> is an Iron City Burger. Let me just read the description of this Iron City burger. It is an Angus beef burger piled high with crispy ale-battered french fries, grilled sirloin steak, and Sam Adams craft beer cheese sauce, atop a lightly toasted bun with, now this is the healthy part, with tomatoes, shredded lettuce, and then our signature chipotle ketchup. This thing is like this high. All right. And I thought for a moment about just about getting that. But then I, I thought about how I would, I mean, like, I can't, I can't eat that kind of stuff late at night and not pay for it later that night anymore. I just can't do it anymore. Like, I'm like, I'm like 40s, like right on the horizon, you know. <clears throat> but I just think about excessive desires that we have. It's not a bad thing to desire things, <clears throat> you know, that that are in this world. But when we go to extremes about it, that's when the lust of the flesh is just taken over. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes mostly involves materialism, coveting whatever we see that we don't have and envying those who have it and we want it. Two words for you. Black Friday. (laughs) If you gave someone a black eye on Friday over a $5 waffle maker, you might struggle with the lust of the eyes. Why do I use waffle maker? Everyone loves waffles. I mean, seriously, you know, $5 would be a good price for one. But, um, you know, I look, I look at these YouTube videos, man, of just people like, I mean, like MMA happening in the entrance of Walmart. You know, it's just crazy to me, you know. The other thing he talks about is the pride of life. The pride of life is defined by any ambition for that which puffs us up and puts us on the throne of our own lives. The pride of life is thinking you are special because of who you are, what you have, what you know, what you've accomplished, or what you look like. That's the pride of life. Where you say, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. As long as you live in the world, no matter how much you love Jesus, you will battle with the three of these things for the rest of your life. Aren't you excited about that? No matter how much you love Jesus, you still live in the flesh. And the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life will continue to be a struggle. I don't care who you are. You know, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because it makes us depend on Jesus. It makes us depend on our Savior. And God wants you to depend on him. He doesn't want you to depend on yourself. I mean, if if the Christian life was easy, I mean... Man, anyone, anyone could live it. 
it's a lot harder, it's, a, it's more difficult to live a life for Jesus than to live how I did 20 years ago. I mean, I just did whatever felt good. I just did whatever satisfied me. If Jesus, who is God in the flesh, when, when he came down to earth, if he battled with the same things, who are we to think that we're not going to battle with those as well? You either love God or you love this world. You can't do both. And how can you tell? Find someone you know who loves Jesus and do two things. Show them your bank statement and your day planner and have them tell you who, th who you think you love more. Because your bank statement and your uh, day planner run your life. So what is in that will show you what's your priority. Or how about you just ask your kids what they think is important to you. But be ready because kids are honest and they'll tell you. They'll say, well, Dad, I think sports is what's most important to you. Or, Mom, I, I, I feel, um, you know, shopping is what's most important to you. Or, uh, Dad, I feel like your work is the most important thing in your life. Or, Mom, I feel like Having a house that looks like a museum is the most important thing in your life. I don't know whatever it is, but they will be honest with you. What consumes your thoughts? Whatever consumes your thoughts dictates what you live for. Let me tweet that out. Whatever consumes your thoughts dictates what you live for. But I got some awesome news. The God who created the entire universe, the God who created everything that you see, can help you when you are weak, can help you when you battle. God is not a parole officer waiting to bust you when you struggle with the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. He wants to be the center of your life and help you. And he wants to help you live a victorious life. But you can't do that on your own strength. Romans 12, 1 through 3. Too much turkey this week, I guess. <clears throat> It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because of the privilege and authority God has given you, 
I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. That's an awesome passage right there. And that's one of our key passages for this series. Paul talks first about God's mercy. It's all about God's mercy. It's all about what God did for you. He talks about offering your bodies, <clears throat> all of you. And I'm not going to sing a John Legend song right now. But offering all of yourself. Don't conform to this world, but, you know, you should look weird. As a Christian, there should be something weird about you. Um, you guys remember DC Talk, the song Jesus Freak? Just to make you feel a little old. That song came out in 1995, 20 years ago. Is that crazy or what? Man, I feel old. But there should be something different about you. Um, you know, the, the scripture talks about being salt and lights. You should be salt and lights in your work. You should be salt and light in your home. You should be salt and light on Black Friday. You, there should be something different about you. Um, there's someone that attends the bridge, and, and they were telling me a story, and I, and I know, uh, I'm not going to share their name, <clears throat> but, and, I, and I, I didn't know that they were, they were sharing this because they were celebrating what God has done in their life because years ago they wouldn't have done this. But they were, um, they took a little vacation a couple weeks ago up into the mountains and, and saw the foliage. Man, it's beautiful up there. And um, they purchased something. Uh, actually, they purchased several things at a store. And were headed back and realized almost when they got back into town that there was an expensive item that, that the cashier never charged them for. You know how far the mountains is from here? It's a good four hours. He turned around drove back to the mountains and purchased this. And the guy was dumbfounded, the cashier. Why would you do that? And so he gave him like half off. Anyway, and he's telling me, you know, Jeremy, you know, five years ago, I would have been like, man, it's mine now. But now he lives for Jesus. And his life is an offering to Jesus about everything that he thinks about, everything that he does. And he, know, he, knew, he knew that every time he looked at that item, it would kill him, man, to know that he didn't go back and pay for that thing. Now, I'm not sure if I responded the correct way as a pastor. I said, man, I wouldn't have done that. I would have just called him and told him I would have paid for the, for the phone. But... Uh, that's I don't know. That's how I am. Um, I just thinking about driving, driving back four hours with four kids in the car. Just like, ah. but, um, but that's what God has done in His life. And so, how do you look different now? Do you do like strange things that no one else does? And I'm not talking about like, you know, like, what's, what am I trying to say? Like. 
you know, we should look different, but not look crazy, you know? Like, there's some crazy Christians that I'm not, I'm not saying be a crazy Christian, you know, because those kind of people bring a, bring a kind of like a bad rap, but, but I'm just saying look different. Be salt and light where you're at. We should be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Our mind dictates how our body functions. You need a church family. You need to be plugged in every single week. You need to be coming to service on a regular basis. You need to be getting plugged in serving. You need to be plugged into a life group. You need people in your life. And if you don't, you know the three things of the world that we talked about? You're going to be living for those things of the world and not even know it. Because even as a Christian, it's so easy to drift. It's so easy to drift. I know, you know some of you go out in the water during, during the summertime, and you just start drifting in your boat. And you, even, like, you look back, you're like, whoa, how did I get there? And that's the same thing with the Christian life. If you continue to try to do this on yourself, you're just going to be, keep on drifting and drifting and drifting. That's why it's so important to be plugged in. And, the, and Paul talks about, don't think you are better than you really are. I came across a quote that says, Since the power to live the Christian life comes from God, there can be no basis for a superior attitude of self-righteousness. It comes from God. The power to live the Christian life comes from God. And if it does, you can't be self-righteous. Many of you are trying to be a living sacrifice by your own strength, and you can't do it. Let me just give you an example. New Year's Eve resolutions. We make them every year, and we never keep them. That's just one example of how we just try to, to live a, an obedient, disciplined life, and then... You know, I mean, the YMCA is crazy packed the first two weeks of January. But just give it a little time, and then you have plenty of places to park. Sanctification is a process of dying to sin daily and living in righteousness. It's conforming to this world less and looking like Jesus more. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those should be evidence in your life. If they are not, you need to take a step back and say, is Jesus really the center of my life? Because if those closest to me don't see the fruits of the spirits, then am I really living a life that is honoring and pleasing, and am I being a sacrifice to God by how I live? Your Christian life should be characterized by devotedness, obedience, mercy, humility, dependence, and self-sacrifice. That's what you want people to say about you. We are 26 days away from Christmas. Holy cow. 26 days. Some of you excited? Some of you stressed out right now. If this was your last Christmas, I got my yearly physical coming up. I always look forward to that. But say I go 
Say you go and get your yearly physical. Insurance pays for it. Might as well get one. You go get your physical, and the doctor says, I got some, got some terrible news for you. This will be your last Christmas. You have cancer. Uh, there's nothing that we can do. It's inoperable, and this is it. If you got that news, how will your Christmas this year be different? I don't know about you, but for me, if I got that news, I would be grateful for all that God has given me. I wouldn't care about material possessions. Because I got about a month to live. I wouldn't, I would spend as much time with family and close friends that I could. I would laugh and enjoy more and complain less. And I would tell everyone I knew about Jesus. Why does it take the doctor to tell us that to live that kind of life now? It shouldn't have to take news, life-altering news for you to be grateful for all that God has given you. It shouldn't take that kind of news for you to stop being so obsessed with material possessions. It shouldn't take that kind of news for you to want to spend less time at the office and more time with those that are going to be around your bedside when you take your final breath. It shouldn't take that kind of news for you to laugh and enjoy more. And it shouldn't take that kind of news for you to tell people, to tell everyone you know about Jesus. Life is a gift not to be taken for granted. And if you got a pulse, you still got a purpose right now. And some of you wonder about that. You're, you're questioning about that. You're just like, God, everything's falling around, apart around me. You know, maybe I haven't had a job for a while. Maybe, maybe my, my spouse uh, cheated on me. My, my kids don't talk to me. Whatever it is, the enemy wants to give you a lie right now that your life is over, that, that you have no purpose at all. And you might as well just crawl into a corner and lay down and die. But that's not who God is. And no matter what you're going through right now, he wants to meet you where you're at. And he is not afraid to get his hands dirty and meet you in the valley. He's not afraid to put his arm around your shoulder to wipe away your tears and tell you that he loves you. He is an awesome God. He's an amazing father. He is so kind. He is so gentle. And, and, and we get so distracted by, by our circumstances and, and what people think of us. What does God think of you? Because that's what matters. That's what matters. 
if you mailed someone a Christmas gift and you put a lot of time, thoughts, energy, maybe even money into it, and the, per- the person was very thankful for that gift, but they, left, but they never let you know, would you consider that person to be a little ungrateful? I mean, you just, you know, you, you spend all that time, all that, all that thought, you know, you, you wrestled over that with someone on Black Friday, uh, you know, whatever it was. And then you just kind of wonder, like you, like you never get a text, you never get a card, you never get a phone call. How would that make you feel? God has given you the greatest gift known to man, which is himself. And our appropriate and thankful response back to God is living a life grateful to God. And that is at the heart of being a living sacrifice. I'm going to call Miss Bobby Ann up. I could go on more. Man, I struggle. I struggle. Um, I love what Pastor Stephen Furtick says. He says that we compare every, uh, everyone's highlight reel to our reality. You know, you, you look on social media, and uh, you look on social media, and, and, and you just see, you know, the family around the Christmas tree, and, and um, you know, you see the pictures from Thanksgiving, and, and how everyone looks so happy. But we don't really see the whole picture, right? We, are in, we all are in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. God loves you. He's got a purpose for you. And whatever you have been through, whatever you're going through, right now is all that matters. Today, November 29th, 2015, today is all that matters. And I just want us to pray right now. I want you to make this your prayer. Say, Lord, I believe your plans for my life are good and that you have not forgotten about me. I'm choosing to be still so you can redirect my thinking to align with your life-giving truth. There is not a person in this room that you do not love. God, but they have to receive this love for themselves. I ask that you would forgive me for feeling entitled instead of being grateful. 
I forget about all that you have done for me and the sacrifice that you made, Jesus, to buy me back at a high price, which was your very life. I don't want to just be a thankful person, but I want to be grateful to you. And how I express that gratitude is by living my life for you instead of living it for me. I don't want to be a complainer, so convict me when I do. I want people to look forward to being around me because they see you in me. Help me also to be thankful for what you're doing in the lives of other people, not just mine. To be grateful what you have blessed people, even if I don't have what they have. Help me to stop comparing. Help me with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You not only want to help me with these struggles, but want to walk with me. And you promised the Holy Spirit, your very presence inside of me to do that. God, I want you to consume my thoughts, not the things of this world. With all eyes closed, as a sign to God, if you have been ungrateful and complaining lately, will you just acknowledge that before God by raising your hand right now? If you just want to say you're sorry to being ungrateful, to, to, to being a complainer, I see here hands. Anyone else? They want to acknowledge that before your Lord who loves you? You can put your hands down, but keep your eyes closed. Maybe you're tired of being the center of your world, and you have never made Jesus the center of your life. This is your opportunity to give God control this very day. Maybe you're sitting next to family or friends right now that have been praying for you for years, for decades, for you to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. I can't think of any better week to do that than, th than Thanksgiving week 2015. It's not simply enough to know about Jesus, but you have to admit that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that you believe that Jesus walked the earth, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead. Tell God who created you and loves you more than anyone ever will that you want him to be the center of your life. And with all eyes closed, on the count of three, if this is you, I'm going to ask you whether it's a recommitment or a first-time commitment. On the count of three, to make the most important decision of your life, to be a Christian and to be a friend of God. One, God loves you. Two, you will never be the same. Three, lift up your hands. If you want Jesus now and forevermore, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see you. anyone else that wants to make Thanksgiving week 2015 the week that you came into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Anyone else? Tomorrow's never promised. This Christmas is never promised. You can put your hands down. Jesus, we love you. I knew that you were going to move today in a mighty way, and you never disappoint. 
You are so kind. You are so gentle. You are long-suffering. You never give up on us, even when we wanted to throw in the towel. You are an awesome God, and we want to live for you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.